I'm Professor Neil Feinstein, and this is Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Ideas thrive here. Storytelling helps us understand ourselves, others, and the world we live in. A story well told captures the imagination and evokes emotion, which is why brands have become passionate storytellers. But they're not talking about knights in shining armor and ogres that become princes. What are they talking about? Meet Bonnie Rothman, founder and president of Company B, and a masterful storyteller. Bonnie helps clients to differentiate their voice in the marketplace and then to tell their story to the world using public relations, content marketing, influencers, and social media. Now, Bonnie, my students get to hear your voice. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Neil. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, let's talk about story. To, you, so you, when we first started talking, you gave me a very interesting statistic. You said that storytelling has been around for a very long time. Yes, that's right. I mean, storytelling has been uh, part and part, parcel of civilization. Um, and the constructs of of storytelling were laid out 2000 years ago by Aristotle. And pretty much everyone who tells stories today is following the format and the rhythms that he that he outlined. So how has storytelling evolved? Well, storytelling, believe it or not, Neil, hasn't really evolved all that much. Um, Every story contains something that is really important to the listener. There is uh, someone who is having a problem that needs to be solved. And the way that the story is solved um, is are basically the beats of the story. So, um, so uh, we think of, as you said, sort of a knight in shining armor, rescuing a princess. She's stuck in a tower. The knight comes in and saves her and he faces dragons and fire and swampy pits. Um, um, uh, and, um, and then he, he rescues her and we, we know those beats. What has changed is the ways in which stories are being told. We have digital tools to spread those stories. And the way we now engage with stories because social media has enabled us to be active participant, active participants in the stories that are told to us, um, and they're told with us. And there's an expectation now, particularly by um, brands, that consumers, their audience, are going to want to engage in their stories in some way. So, so br- brand storytelling. So, how does a brand? Uh, you know, you talked a little bit about that three act structure structure that we know that so well for stories. You know, there's a pro, there's an there's a, 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 a the story starts. There's a problem. Somebody comes to the day and saves. It comes to save the day, and the, and then there's a solution. It sounds very old fashioned. How do brands bring that bring that into the modern world? 
Well, I think that's really that's really interesting. They do it in lots of lots of new, fresh, and creative ways. Um, basically, one one thing that brands have to understand is that they are not actually the uh, the heroes of the story. Their customers are the heroes. Um, they're the brands are the solutions or the guides or sort of the Obi Wan Kenobi's of of the stories. So in figuring out how, it, when a brand starts thinking about how to tell their story, they uh, the most important question that they can be asking is, what uh, is at stake for my customer and how do I solve it? How do I, how do I take them on a journey and solve it in a way that's emotionally satisfying? And of course, we know that stories evoke emotions. Our brains light up. Um, with happiness and endorphins and serotonin, this is this is scientifically proven when we're when we're taken into the world of stories, even if it's a horror story. You know, we enjoy that being scared. It makes us feel um, uh, uh, not not necessarily happier, but it satisfies that urge to be taken along on a journey. Brands um, have to understand that they are not the hero they are not the heroes of the stories they are merely the guides so let me follow up with that so how do they make their stories interesting to their customers i mean you know how does nike make their story interesting to a customer how does how does you know any you work with a lot in the b2b space how does how does it how does that make so, so I'm going to give you two examples. Okay, I'm going to give you an example of a brand we all know and love, which is M&M Mars. M&M um, Mars, um, the makers of M&Ms um, and Milky Ways and all these lovely little candies, um, understands that um, they're a commodity product. Um, and they personalize their brand with our M&M, the M&M the &M characters. That's the first thing. So they create a persona for their brand. But um, leveling up, we're going to we're going to talk about I want to talk to you about a story that they're telling around Halloween. Right. Um, it's a big sales season for M&M Mars. I am. They're not a client, but I'm guessing that it's a that it's the biggest time of year when they're selling the most amount of candy. Um, but they figured out this year that. Um, People have a problem around Halloween with with M and M Mars candies. They love M and M so much that they buy them in advance, and then when trick or when Halloween comes, trick or treating comes, there's no candy to give out. People are often <laughs> running out of candy. So 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 what they did was they created a, a campaign around this problem that so many of us have ha have had. How many times at four o'clock on Halloween night, do you go running to the grocery store and grab an extra bag of candy because you're afraid that you're gonna run out and not be able to give it to the kids because you're, you know, face it, you've eaten too many Reese's, right? So what they did this year was they conducted a survey to prove that uh, that assumption to be true. I think they found that 79% of people admit to eating Halloween candy in advance of Halloween. They created a partnership with GoPuff, which becomes really important. Um, so on if you, if it's after three o'clock and you run out of Halloween candy, you can go to a website that Eminem Mars has set up and um, ask GoPuff to deliver a pound of M&Ms to your house so wow. that you can give it out for Halloween. Now, um, they, uh, they publicized this through uh, their head of sales, who they branded their chief Halloween officer. 
So, um, so the person who's speaking with authority about this problem that we all have, which is that we've eaten way too many of the Reese's and way too many M&Ms in advance of Halloween and don't have enough candy, is an authoritative spokesperson with a silly title from their company, the chief Halloween officer. They've created a partnership with GoPuff to solve the problems, to get us our free can, it's free now, free candy after four o'clock on Halloween, right? And um, they have a website set up where if you go to it today, um, you can just order candy. You're going to pay for your candy, but they're driving people to their to their website. They're driving people to their conversation. They're creating a story around M and M's that uh, we hadn't thought of before, but it's solving a problem. They're solving a problem for us. And one of the things in my world is sort of this: that those are the makings of a good campaign. It starts with a problem, proves it with a survey who's talking, we have our chief Halloween officer, we have a partnership, how are we gonna deliver on solving the problem, this innovative partnership with GoPuff. We have a digital hub um, for people to go and, and interact with, so we're engaging with the story. But the, the, the thing that's really interesting to me is that it's newsworthy. It is so remarkable and unusual and oh my God, why didn't anybody think of this before is that it's gotten a tremendous amount of publicity in like the New York post and some of the marketing press, but mainstream media, um, old, good old fashioned media has been covering the story with links to the website, which I think as a, is a real win, um, for a brand telling a story and then making that story noteworthy enough to be newsworthy. So, um, so here, here's the question from the integrated marketer, and I believe that PR is perhaps the most important tool in integrated marketers' toolkit. What right. happens on November 1st? Exactly. <laughs> I am going to be watching uh, what happens on November 1st. Um, I am wondering whether there are going to be follow-up news stories. I am wondering whether they were able, they are going to be able to pull it off. And I am wondering whether it's going to be worth repeating year after year. Um, I ran PR for eBay many years ago, and we found out that many, many people re-gifted. Mm-hmm. So you got a gift you didn't like, and then the next year you wrapped yeah. it up and gave it to Aunt Gladys, right, for Christmas. So we created year after year a repeatable re-gifting campaign re-gifting campaign. We had, we had surveys. We had a spokesperson who was an expert in wrapping things up. We had um, man-on-the-street interviews with people confessing what they re-gifted. We created a tremendous amount of content and kept the story going year after year. What I'm wondering about the, the M&M Go Puff collaboration is uh, if, this, um, if this is going to be a repeatable uh, event for them, if it's going to generate enough juice for them to say, hey, you know, this was really worth our while, worth our while. As the direct marketer in me would say, well, you've just got all these people who went onto the website and gave you their address, their name. You yes. Know, you can now start an email marketing. You can start even into your world. You can start having content development to the directly to these people, invite them to your blog or have them will follow you on uh, on uh, on, yes. on Instagram or or TikTok or whatever they're going. I got to believe TikTok's 
So let, let me just, um, you said something interesting. Can I, can I dig a little deeper into the, to the, your eBay experience? Sure. So how did you structure the survey? Because I think it's really interesting that you did some data and some research up front. And then how did you transform that data and that into an insight that drove your program? So it's a little bit different from being an advertiser looking for insight in customer behavior to mm. using data for public relations purposes. Okay, so what we do in, in as a public relations person using data, what we usually look for is um, uh, we make an assumption about something that's counterintuitive, for okay. example, um, or, or we affirm some an assumption that we've previously held. So M&Ms did that by saying 79% of people dug into the candy bag before Halloween. So we think about that as, is that going to be something that's going to be of interest for content, for the media, for any kind of content that we create? So we, we don't start from an insight that mm -hmm. uh, sort okay. of a traditional strategist might start from sort right. of going in and doing doing sort of an at-home research and watching people. We, we just sort of skip all this, skip all okay. that. Then, and then um, for larger corporations, normally hire outside researchers to conduct, uh, conduct a survey that we designed together. Mm -hmm. We say, you know, uh, I, I represented a company a number of years ago that was a, a personal chef service, a subscription personal chef service in New York City. So we made some assumptions that people didn't like to cook in New York City and kitchens and they had no storage in New York City and people stored their shoes or whatever in their ovens. So we conducted a survey to find out whether that was true. And in fact, it was true and it got a fair amount of press. Or for example, we for another client, uh, car buying service, online car buying service, we said, we think that people personalize their cars to the extent that they name them and create a, a whole history about them. We confirmed that with the survey. Again, it was covered by the Today Show. People really do name their cars mostly. They're mostly female. God, I don't know why, but you know, my daughters both named their cars Gladys and Grandma Jane. So um, we had we had a Subaru um, Outback that we called Doris. <laughs> see, there you go. Um, so, uh, so the research um, is a slightly different than the research that a planner, for exact, for example, might do. We're we're looking for research to to build headlines and build content out. Of. I see. I see. Yeah. So, so all right. So you've got all this. You've got all this fodder for this great program. You're about right. to put it out there. How do you build that program? What media do you use? You know, what are right. what, what is the process that you go through? I think that's really so. There are again, we're sort of thinking who who are we speaking to? Who has the problem? Of course. Okay, and who is going to be who is going to speak to them with the most authority and um, validity? So, for example, we have another client um, in the B two B space, World at Work. It's a professional association for the people who toil away in the backwaters of HR um, departments, figuring out your compensation and your benefits packages. They're really important people. They're really interesting people. But they, they admit that they are the nerds of HR. But one thing that they do know and they do follow is 
whether companies are going to be laying off people year after year or giving raises year after year. So for 50 years, the organization has conducted a really meaty salary budget survey, which is useful for HR people to look at to sort of figure out what the trends are. We say, okay, who is this important to other than HR people who are who are crunching the numbers and have wield a fair amount of power at their organizations? Well, it's, in, it's interesting to you and me, we're workers. We want to know, we work for a company, for companies. We want to know if we're going to get a raise, if now's the time, or if we're going to be laid off. So we took that data. First, we shared it with the audience to whom it matters most. Um, in a sort of standard press release form um, to the HR publications and HR influencers who find, who who can help talk about the salary budget survey because so that's one, one part of it. Then we identified an economist who understands how to talk in regular human terms. Um, and we uh, shared her expertise and knowledge um, to the media, television, LinkedIn, um, mainstream uh, newspaper, di- you know, digital newspapers, and said, "Hey, we have Liz, and she and she's going to be talking about the salary budget survey that was just conducted in October 2024." And she found that, in fact, organizations are saying that they're going to that they are going to be raising their salary budgets four percent for 2024. And uh, we turned that into a series of messages. Now's the good time to ask for a raise. Uh, Companies are going to be spending more money on salaries for their employees. If you're a um, high-performing employee, jump in now because what the what the survey also found out in is that in 2024, further down the line, there may be there may be a slowdown. So we took something that was uh, pretty in the weeds pretty detailed, and we served it up to the audience who cares about it most and who's going to use the, the, that survey to do their work, and then turned it into a story that solves a problem for basically anyone who works, which is, um, is now the time to ask for a raise. Right. Um, and uh, then we turned it into content um, that, we could, that our client uses on social media as well. So graphs, uh, little snippets from Liz's interviews. Um, and again, it's who's talking, what and what problem are we solving for? For What problem are we, the brand, solving for our audience? That's fantastic. So you've, so you've, now, so you've now got your problem. You've built out your program. Um, you know, the question of the day is how is artificial intelligence informing your program, supporting your program? Um, helping you build out your strategies. You know, what role does artificial intelligence play the, in these days? So, I mean, AI can be a tremendous tool for many, many things in our business. The first thing that it can do is it can look for similar programs that are out there so that you can see what other people are doing, right? You can use it like Google to, to do some research. So that's the first thing. The second thing that it can help, and uh, which we're using a lot for, is just outlining our thinking. So um, we have um, we have an idea for a campaign. Uh, it's a little all over the place, and I then we can prompt AI to say what is what what will content about the salary budget survey survey look like? Can you come up with five blog 
those titles for us. Um, can you come up with five headlines that we might use um, in, you know, on LinkedIn, for example? It could be in a very, very, it could be a terrific tool for just helping to get sort of the brain going. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also using AI. I'll give you another example. Um, in at Company B, we we kind of do soup to nuts, sort of brand positioning, storytelling, and then we tell, we bring those stories out into the world. But I recently uh, worked with my accountant, which is unusual. Usually, I work <laughs> with uh, with small firms, but my accountant decided that he wanted to uh, to do some marketing, and he has a fairly large firm. And um, he the com- his company is called Professional Tax Alliance. I'm like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Um, that sounds a little bit like Marvel, like a you know a group of super accounting superheroes to me. So um, we did some digging. We did some of the kind of research that you were talking about. We talked to customers and employees, et cetera, to get some insights about how this um, company helps their clients. And it did turn out that they felt that their clients really did feel like this organization were their superheroes because they saved the money. So we um, wrote content for them that was pretty bland. And then we said, well, maybe we should write their content to sound like a superhero comic book. AI is excellent for, was excellent for getting us to the first stage of that uh, of, of that process, creative process. Right. It was goofy and over the top with lots of cabals and kablams and, you know, and way more exclamation points than any accountant should ever use um, <laughs> on their website. But it was an extremely useful tool for getting to tone of voice. Um, so I, we, are, we are using AI across our work um, at for for many many different things, brainstorming, tone of voice, research, um, and then if we don't know what things look like, we may ask it. For example, um, you know, a short video script about X. Can you can you uh, you know can you put it? Ask the AI, please put it put it together to sound like this, um, and then it gives us some examples. What we're not using AI for ever 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 is finished product. Yeah. It's a, it's a it, thought it's a thought kickstarter more than anything else. I think so. I think that I think eventually it will get good enough that we can trust it. Um and we'll get good enough prompting um so that we will be able to get to what we need faster. Sort of the key is in cre- mm-hmm. is in understanding how to prompt it to yeah. get to what you want what you want. Um but we are not you know, I don't use it for my LinkedIn posts. Um, mm. I uh, I have definitely used it for outlines for press releases, um, contributed articles, which is another sort of PR tactic, pretty tried and true tactic. We we don't use it for that ever because they have you know you need a human voice, um, and AI just isn't isn't uh, isn't there yet. But I think it's going to get there. Oh, well, that's, a, yeah. that's exciting. I think. Is it, <laughs> or, are you or, excited about it? <laughs> I, yeah, no, I really am. I mean, I do. I definitely think that um, there's a lot of people saying it's going to be the death of communications jobs and writing jobs. Oh. Um, I'm seeing a lot of 
chatter now about how creativity is going to be the most important commodity when um, content, et cetera, is going to be commoditized. Because we as communication communications professionals have an obligation to keep our storyteller, keep our story listeners engaged. Mm-hmm. We want them to be surprised. Right. So, and if you're constantly relying on AI to generate your stories and your characters and your resolutions, then we are no longer going to be surprised. Well, well let's just even apply this to a thought that you were talking about earlier on. AI will never come up with the idea of having a chief Halloween officer. Never, never, never come up, never come up with the idea of having a chief Halloween officer. It's just brilliant, right? He's the head of sales. And, you know, I I don't think he came up with that title on his own. I'm sure it's someone like you and me, Neil, who said, okay, you know, how are we going to make the most of this? I think I'm going to um, uh, send an email to my dean and ask him to retitle me to associate professor of Halloween. I think that works fine, don't you? (laughs) Listen, in my creative strategy class, I give out I, I give out candy because I think that for creatives, candy is among the most important motivators. <laughs> I know candy is a big motivator. When I when I teach my classes, um, we start with um, with some yoga moves. Oh wow, um, that's great! Kundalini yoga. Oh, okay. So, um, yes. so uh, I didn't mention this, but Bonnie is uh, is such a such a renowned and respected um, a practitioner of public relations and storytelling that she uh, teaches at uh, many universities and she teaches internationally. Um, so that is, you know, that in some ways that is perhaps the best metric of your success. The fact that you can share your experience and your knowledge. Oh, well, I learned so much from students, Neil. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you, you know, that the, the, the gift of, about being a teacher is, is getting back from the students, their incredible creativity and enthusiasm and worldviews so different from, from mine. I'm always learning from, uh, from my students. So it's, it's one of the joys of being a teacher. So that brings me to my final question is, um, you are learning from your students and hopefully my students are learning from you. What And what is the most important piece of advice that you can give to my students? Be curious constantly. Open up your mind to different ideas, different points of view. If you see something that you've never heard of before, you've got a computer in your pocket, look it up. Uh, be constantly curious because the only way that create that you are going to be the highest level creative person that you can possibly be is by forming connections between ideas that uh, that you that didn't necessarily connect before. And the only way to form those connections is if you are out in the world being curious about it. Yes, the world is perhaps the best, the best Kickstarter for good ideas, even better than AI. <laughs> Yes, I definitely think it's way better than AI. Bonnie, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your uh, wisdom with my students. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. This has been Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Thanks to all our guests, my colleagues Professor Audrey Siegel-Mavora, Kevin James, Christine Munk, and our producer Miriam Prever. Keep on ideating.